Hello and welcome to the Women's Edition, the podcast which celebrates women's stories. I'm Carla and I'm joined by women who share stories about their lives, experiences and challenges. So wherever you are, thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy their stories as much as I do. Hello and welcome to Series 1, Episode 3 of the Women's Edition. Thanks again for listening. I'm recording this from a very snowy Netherlands. You never see snow like this in Devon. We've had about six or seven inches at least and it's looking very magical as I look out at all this snowy scenery. This week I'm chatting to Sam McCourt. She's a freelance journalist who started her own local online news journal in the southwest of England. The reason I invited Sam to tell her story is because I feel that what she's doing is the future of local news and what it's going to look like going forward. Local print media is definitely in decline and local news is needing to evolve to keep up with the digital world and I think that's what Sam's doing. I think she's pioneering a new path in local journalism and hopefully one that she can make sustainable in the long run because local news is in crisis. I did some research before I was talking to Sam and from 2005 to 2018 there was a loss of 245 local news titles in the UK alone. And that means an estimated something like 60% of the country has no regional newspaper. And in my view, without local journalism, we have no one holding our local councillors, services or organisations to account. And amazingly, not everyone is reading the council meeting agendas or looking into how, say, the local fire service is cutting their budgets. But that's what local journalists do. And I think if we lose it, we're going to lose accountability, I think. Local reporters are often really skilled when it comes to holding elected officials to account. And that's because they understand how local democracy works and they provide a voice for people and communities. So I think supporting someone like Sam is really important because she's paving the way to keep local news alive. And the journal is doing really well. It has... 22,000 page views a month. She has over 109,000 page views of all time. And she only began the journal last year with a reach of 13,000 on Facebook. So really, really good numbers. So yes, I will let Sam tell her story because that's what she's best at. I hope you enjoy our chat. Right, should we start? Yeah. Let's go for yeah. it. <laughs> oh dear. Um, right. right, let's start with an introduction. Can you share a little bit about your background before you started the journal? Yes, yeah, so I, um, I did, my degree is in something completely unrelated. I've got a degree in uh, conservation biology. Um, but my grandfather was a, a journalist. He worked for the uh, Evening News in London for many years um, and then became an author so um, and I've always found sort of English writing quite easy so um, I just started uh, I applied for a job at our local newspaper just as a on a whim Um, and I started there as a trainee reporter and by the time I left five years later I was their chief reporter Um, and then yeah so from there I then and then I had my son and uh, and started Southampton's journal. So yeah, tell us the story of Southampton's journal. Well, basically, I um, after I finished my maternity leave, I realised that I wasn't going to be able to <laughs> afford to go back to work. Um, the cost of childcare was just it was just not going to work. Um, 
so I decided that I would try and do something from home that would work around him, um, but would still get me involved um, in the community. I enjoyed sort of being involved with um, what was happening locally. People were still dropping me messages and texts and stuff, or oh, do you know what this is, or you know, have you heard about this? So I was missing being involved, so I wanted to be able to do that um, and then hopefully be able to sort of support myself at the same time as doing that as well. So that's where it all came from, you know, being able to do it from the from the kitchen table that's incredible so how did you go about that with a baby in arms <laughs> um well yes it's it's tricky it happens a lot while he's asleep <laughs> um after he's <laughs> gone to bed occasional naps um but yes it's just finding sort of five ten minutes here and there to be able to answer emails or um do anything like that um and then yeah after he's gone to sleep so <laughs> my poor husband doesn't see me very often but that's 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 basically what happens trying to work around a toddler is as you know hit and miss at the best of times yes very difficult Mm. very difficult and so you say there about childcare. Mm. what do you think needs to happen to shake up that situation because I've now spoken to you and Anna who said they started their businesses because of a lack of childcare. so what what could help it's a tricky one because I think there's there's a sort of fundamental um people don't think that staying at home looking after children is work to start with um and I think that it's very tricky to do anything else at the same time (laughs) as we both know but it got to the point where the, the 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 amount of money I was earning wouldn't I would have been able to pay childcare but I wouldn't have even been able to pay sort of my phone bill on top of that like it it was just I would have been working to pay for somebody else to look after him which seems madness so you get free childcare after they're three I think um what you're supposed to do for those first three years I have no clue um but whether you get um you know whether it's a whether it's free childcare, whether it's higher wages, or whether it's something along the lines of um, a sort of universal income, there needs to be something because it's it's kind of lost those first couple of years. Um, and yet, you know, you know, if you if you go to work, then you're abandoning your child, and if you don't go to work, you're lazy. So you can't win one way or the other. <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> Why did you choose the journal format online? I guess because print is kind of maybe becoming obsolete. Print is in trouble and I think it's a shame because I think it's really important. I think local newspapers are really important. I think local journalism is really important. Um, they're, they're the people that hold your your politicians, for a better word, to account. But we're not talking, you know, the people in Parliament. I'm talking about your councillors, your town councillors, your district councillors, your county councillors. Um, these are the people that you know talk about how your council tax is spent how your um your rubbish is collected you know all of that kind of stuff the lower levels planning applications all of that um and i think without local journalists at that level it's not the most glamorous but it is it's it's important sort of in people's day-to-day lives sometimes even more than national politics is um and i think the problem is with print is it's expensive you've got to print the newspapers obviously you've got to distribute them you've got you know all of that kind of stuff to deal with whereas what I managed to do was set up a a domain name um and um and an email address and you can go from there there's very little overheads for stuff like that it doesn't cost me very much money 
um, to keep it running. So I think that you've got the advantage from that side. Um, and I think, um, yeah, I do think print's got a bit of a, a trouble. I'm not quite sure how to get out of it. That's the problem. Um, but you've got some, some newspapers that have done, like, I think the Times, they've put everything behind a paywall. So you get a certain a little bit of the article. And if you need to read more than, if you want to read more than you need to pay for it. Um, or subscription services, um, or it's adverts, and those are the only way r- ways around it, really. Um, but, yeah, it is tricky, and I think people have got used to having their news for free online as well. So once you give somebody something for free, it's very tricky to take it back from them, um, and I think that's a lot of things that a lot of the newspapers and the media companies are, are realising as well. Yeah, that's really difficult. Mm. How, have you, how have you fared with the Southampton Journal? Have you, how would you wage your success, I guess? Um, Content-wise, we've been doing really well. Um, you know, people are getting in touch with us with for stories. Um, people who've been turned down or dismissed by other media companies are turning around to say, "Can you do something about this?" Um, and I think we've, we're filling the content quite nicely, um, and we're getting good interaction on on social media and stuff. I just hit um, 100,000 page views the other day. Um, I think we've got like 1,700 followers on social medias across you know, Facebook and Instagram and everything else. Um, but as with the pandemic, nobody's got any money. Um, so that side of it's not not doing quite as well. I'm hoping after COVID sort of chilled out a little bit and everything starts getting back up and running again, then then we'll be fine. But it's always tricky to ask people for money at these times. You know, nobody's got it. So it's just one of those things. But we'll, we'll, we'll be fine. It'll sort itself out. 100,000 that's amazing. <laughs> it's indiv- that's not so that's not individual ones but that's that's over the whole time since I launched it but still it's pretty good yeah. Yeah, I'd say that was brilliant. <laughs> um I was actually going to ask you about the pandemic mm. in that you know you've had a toddler during that time. Mm. Uh what's that been like? Have you has it affected the journal or how you work? Has it affected your relationships? It's been there's certain things like the fact that um, I haven't been able to go out and talk to people like face to face because of the pandemic. But then therefore that has made it a little bit easier with Arthur being at home because I can call people on the phone and just say, by the way, if you hear some weird noises in the background, there's a toddler. Um, and I think a lot of people are in that situation. A lot of people are working from home. So I think people are more understanding of that kind of situation. Um but I mean, having a toddler in the, I'm just so glad there were. He's not school age. How people made the decisions about whether or not to send them to school, whether or not to send them to childcare, you know, all of that kind of stuff. I was just so lucky. I didn't have to think about it. He was too young, and I didn't have to worry about it. So, yeah, I'm so glad that I didn't have to make those decisions. Yeah, I can't imagine having to school a child mm. and also still work because you've got to put food on the table. Oh, oh I. I've, yeah, hats off to those people. Completely. Friends of mine were doing that, you know, partner was working, um, you know, out of the house, um, you know, doing whatever it was. They were having to run, they were still having to do their, I don't know, what is it, 40 hours a week, you know, from home, plus homeschool their children, plus everything else. I just, I don't understand, I don't understand <laughs> their magic. I don't know no, I don't. how they had enough hours in the day. I don't get it. I don't think there is. I think there's a lot of mental health issues going on, especially for women. I think there's mm. been a lot of burden on women for this. Mm. Well, they always say, isn't it, you know, that you women have a sort of an emotional burden that other people don't have or not necessarily, but one of one of a partnership generally um, seems to have sort of things that other that the other one doesn't have to think about. And therefore, I think if you stick a pandemic and homeschooling and everything else on top, 
Um, how more people aren't having complete breakdowns, I have no idea. And I think that will... No, I don't either. It will, yeah, I think it's one of the things that will probably come back to bite us in the bum afterwards as well. Yeah, maybe. Mm. Um, so lightening the mood, because <laughs> this pandemic has been... <laughs> has not been a mood lightener. <laughs> um, what's been your favourite story you've worked on lately? Um... I tell you what, it was really, it was quite a recent one actually that I literally did this week. I was speaking to um, a woman, Dr. Emily Grossman, who's moved from London to Totnes, so she came into my catchment area and I grabbed her. Um, and she's a, a science communicator. Um, she's got um, in, qualifications coming out of her ears. She's got a first from. Um, I'm going to say this off the top of my head first from Cambridge and a PhD and she's written books and she's been on TV and she's just really good at turning science talk into just layman's terms English so people understand um, and I think being able to communicate science ideas is so important anyway um, and especially at this kind of time when there's so much misinformation fake news and um, and spin out there for about vaccines, about health, about the COVID thing, you know, all together. Um, and she was fascinating to talk to um, and to be able to put some of her ideas out there and, and put her out there as someone to follow. You know, if you want the truth, listen to this woman. She really knows what she's talking about. Was great. Was really, really nice. And I also I thought I was going to get some kickback from that from some sort of strange and slightly crazy people on the Internet. But I haven't had any. It's all been quite positive, so that's been really, really nice. And that was literally on Monday, so. Oh, amazing. Yeah, I read that. It was really rounded, actually. That's probably why you haven't had much kickback. Yeah. It wasn't sort of um, poking a finger at anybody or saying, like, what you think is wrong. Well, this is the it's hope, just isn't it? giving facts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think when you've got a situation like this, I think that's literally all you can do. You know, I think one person on Twitter has, you know, came back and said, well, who's decided she was an expert? And I was like all of her qualifications but never mind but if um, I think if you're if you're looking for the people who've got the right background who really know their stuff and if those are the people you're listening to I don't think you can go too far wrong without saying that whatever they say is 100% correct all the time you know humans make mistakes but I think if you're if you're aiming at those kind of people I think you probably can't go too far wrong no I don't think you can I also read the article you wrote about Lucy mm. from Bridgerton that was on Netflix yeah, so I was um, I was watching that just as, you know, it popped up on everyone's Netflix. And I love a period drama and the leading actors fine, too. So that was that popped up. And I thought, yeah, I'll give that one a go. And um, literally the opening scene, I thought I recognised somebody in the background. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. Uh, I used to do the reviews for Kingsbridge Amateur Theatrical Society, Cats, and the um, Kingsbridge Community College drama as well and I thought I'd spotted somebody that I knew from there in the background and I was trying to pause it and couldn't quite work it out and then later on she literally appeared in full on the screen and I was like I knew that was her so I stalked her on social media until I tracked her down and yes I think it's Luciana Richardson yes so I spoke to her and she's basically come straight out of Kingsbridge Community College joined up with loads of um, agencies she used to do acting anywhere she could get her hands on it she used to be in in Cats. She was in Mad, which is the Marlborough Amateur Dramatics. Anything at school, and yeah, so she just got she got a part as an extra on Bridgerton, and then ended up being a named person. She didn't speak, but she ended up as a, as a named character, and she's doing incredibly incredibly well. So, if someone's listening now and they were thinking of setting up their own news site, you know, it's the pandemic, it's lockdown, like they haven't got 
enough to do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Mad fools, run away. <laughs> what advice would you give them? Especially women, what advice would you give them? I think you have to build up trust with people. Um, and I think people have to understand where you're coming from. I think balance... Balance is tricky when it comes to news. I think some people have fallen down trying to be too balanced and actually they're, they've shot themselves in the foot because I think although you should have balance, I think, say as an example, um, climate science, I think if you've got somebody who says, you know, a, a, a climate scientist who tells you this is what's happening and then you've got crazy Bob down the road who thinks that it's all... Um, you know rubbish and the lizard people are ruling the world that's not balance that's just finding a crazy person like you'd have to have 99 climate scientists talking and one crazy person to make that balance but I think as long as you're straight down the line and you are talking from a factual basis I think you'll probably be okay but it's all trust and as, as soon as people trust that what you're putting out is true and fair I think you'll probably be all right yeah totally and you probably had that from your background as a reporter did you find Mm. setting up for yourself did organizations treat you the same as when you were with the paper Uh, more than I expected them to actually I thought I was going to have to fight for it but most people luckily I'm working with the same people um you know the same organizations that I was with um when I was with the paper so although I didn't have that uh, back up um, they knew my name they knew who I was um, and they knew that I was always fair a lot of organisations I work with the councils are emergency services they know that I'm not going to be I'm not going to lie about them and I'm always going to be as fair as, as possible so I think as soon as I turned around and said well I'm doing this for myself they were fine um there's one or two that have just you know you've had emails uh, you've had to send two or three rather than just the one but you know that was going to happen anyway but no not as not as badly as I thought it was going to be. it's all been it's been really good actually it's been nice that's great and where do you see the journal going what's on the horizon for you Sam um I just, all I want to be able to do really is support myself and, my, you know, help support my family. That's all I want. Um, I don't want to be mega rich. I don't want it to go national. I just want to be able to tell local people's stories, help local people in any issues that they've got. And if it would be nice to, you know, make enough money to not have to stress every day, it would be lovely. But yeah, I'm not, you know, there's no, there's no grand scheme of things. I just want to have a... I just want to be somebody that people can trust and come to when they need something like that. And if I manage to pay my bills at the same time, that's just a plus. Well, Sam, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story about Southampton's journal. And I wish you all the very best. Thank you for having me on, Carla. It's been lovely to talk to you and I wish you all the luck in the world with the podcast. Bye. There you have it. A lovely chat with Sam there. We actually carried on talking. I stopped recording and then we carried on chatting for about an hour, I think, (laughs) putting the world to rights. What I love about what Sam's done is that she wasn't able to carry on as chief reporter, so she created a space for herself to continue her work. She's also all about providing local people and communities with a voice and a space, and I feel that's so, so important and a similar idea to what the podcast is about. 
people need a voice and as Sam says she hopes she continues to provide a space for people to tell their stories and local news provides a place for communities to feel heard and they're just so so important so please do support them support Sam I think she's doing a fantastic job and again this has been a story of a woman who has overcome obstacles to find her own path. And like Anna and Debbie, Sam said she's not looking to be profoundly successful. She just wants to write stories for people to read them. And I think it's essential that women keep supporting women. And you can find Sam at southhamsjournal.co.uk and at southhamsjournal, all one word, on Facebook. So yeah, please go and give her a like. See you next week. Bye. Bye.